With the news media covering increasingly more news about data breaches and security, and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks, and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor, we are here to help you mitigate potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Well, hello and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host, and I'm so happy you're joining us. Welcome to the fifth episode of my show. I'm really excited to have this platform to help raise the awareness of information security and privacy risks and issues, and also provide listeners with practical tips and actions to help improve information security, and also to better protect the privacy of your clients, customers, patients, and employees, but of course also your family, your friends, and of course yourself. Now today, we are going to discuss a really long time problem since before the use of smartphones and even before personal computers existed, but it keeps getting progressively worse. It's identity theft. And it's kind of interesting, but this really hit home for me when I was just in kindergarten. And that's been a long time ago. But I saw firsthand how greatly it impacted my mother. I grew up in a small Midwestern town in a rural area. My father was the superintendent of the school district. And my mother, Mary, took great pride in all the volunteer work she did in the community. And as with most traditional at that time households, she did all the shopping and other home-related activities for the family. And she always paid with a check at the stores. Well, I remember so clearly one day as we were checking out of the grocery store, and she handed a check to the, the new checkout clerk. I'd never seen him before, and neither had she. And the clerk took one look at the check and said really rather loudly, sorry, we cannot accept checks from you. Well, my mother was truly dumbfounded. I mean, everyone turned around in the store and was looking at her. And she was like, what? Why not? And then the clerk pointed to the wall at a posted check on the wall that had my mother's name and social security printed on it, which, you know, was common back then, but it wasn't from a local bank. And the clerk said again, way too loudly, you are a serial bad check writer. Well, the check was posted for everyone to see. And it was not a check that came from any bank that my mother did business with. Like I said, it was from an out-of-state bank. Now, by this time, everyone was looking at my mother, some of them shaking their heads and some of them whispering. I'd never seen my mother look so embarrassed and so alone. And, and she was like, well, what do you mean? And about that time, the, the manager who personally knew my mother walked by and thank goodness 
he cleared everything up. It seems like someone was using my mother's name and was writing bad checks in this area where she'd lived basically all of her life. And the stores posted those bad checks on the walls at that time. It was kind of common practice to alert their cashiers not to take them. Well, when we got to the car, my mother, who was greatly shaken, you know, I saw her just sit there and she cried for several minutes. It really hurt her and and the experience impacted her for many years after that. Now, just think how now the many more ways in which a person's identity can be stolen and how much more damage to people can be done by identity theft. And I You know, I'm so happy to speak with a really dear friend of mine who is also the most highly regarded and most experienced expert that I know of for identity theft and identity fraud. So let me tell you a bit about her. Mari Frank is an attorney. She's also a certified information privacy professional. She's author of many books, the Identity Theft Survival Kit, The Complete Idiot's Guide for Recovering from Identity Theft, Safeguard Your Identity from Victim to Victor, Privacy, Piracy, and so on. Since 2005, Mari has also hosted her own radio show. It's called Privacy Piracy, and it's on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. And I'm so happy that Mari has had me as a guest on her show many times. Mari testified on privacy in the California legislature, the U.S. Congress, and at the White House. She also has had a PBS television special. It's called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age, and it aired nationwide. You can still find it online. I encourage you to go watch it. Mari chaired the California State Bar Privacy Committee. She's an advisor to 3M's Visual Privacy Council. She's a fellow for the Poneman Institute and also was an advisor to the California Office of Privacy Protection. Mari has appeared on dozens of national TV programs, and she's been featured in numerous periodicals. In fact, Money Magazine named Mari a money hero for her pro bono work. And Mari serves as an expert witness and trainer on privacy issues. Her websites include privacypiracy.org and marifrank.com. Mari, I am just so happy to have you on my new show, and thank you so much for being here today, and welcome. Well, thank you, Rebecca, and we always have fun. You've been on my show many times, and it's always such a treat to talk to you, and I remember when we first met at a privacy conference, it was just like we knew each other already, so it's uh, it's a thrill to come back on and support you in your radio host endeavor as well. Well, thank you so much, and you know, this topic is just so timely. I knew I had to have you on to talk about this because you know more about it than anyone else I know. Um, So first, let's level set our understanding of the term identity theft for our listeners. Can you explain, you know, what exactly is identity theft and what are some of the ways in which an, an imposter can take your identity? Right. So there's really kind of two types of identity theft. One is identity takeover. 
This could be where they take over your bank account or they take over a credit card. We, we have that. That's pretty common. Someone will just steal the information on your credit card and then use your credit card and then you see it on your credit card bill and you go, what is this? So that's identity takeover, you know. The other kind is really where, you know, that's an existing account that they're taking over, right? The other is where they create new accounts in your name. Now, this could be something like what happened with your mother where Mm -hmm. someone created a new check, uh, a new account, or they may have, and I don't know because you didn't really uh, let us know whether they actually got checks with your mother's account number on it and was stealing money from her bank, or they just created accounts with her name that there was no money in the bank, and so they were able to make her look like she's really a fraudster. But that's Mm -hmm. another kind. But there's so many other things like medical identity theft, and there's criminal identity theft where people commit crimes in your name or they get a job in your name, And literally anything you can do with your identity, the identity Mm -hmm. thief can also do if they get enough identifiers to do it. And usually at this point in time, it's the social security number because that's the key to the kingdom of identity theft. Although in the future, I just I just interviewed somebody on biometrics, and, you know, if there's not enough safeguards with regard to your fingerprint or your iris scan or some piece of your body, um, if there aren't enough protections, even it could be, you know, identity theft using your personal information from your body. So mm-hmm. um, that's what it is right now is basically the identity is taken over by using your personal identifiers. And, you know, with my mother's situation, someone had taken her name and her address and her social security number, and we never found out where they got that from, but they opened a completely different account from a completely different bank. So they were using her personal information to create a to new create. account. Okay, so hers was, yeah. instead of instead of uh, existing account takeover, what mm-hmm. it was was creating a new account, and we're still seeing that, Rebecca. It's mm-hmm. so easy to do that. And if you think about all the places that have your Social Security number and a lot of information about you, doctor's offices, your bank, the IRS, you know, the credit bureaus, mm-hmm. all over the place, your sensitive information is being stored, and somebody who's a dirty employee could take it or maybe they throw away trash and it's there. Or, of course, we've learned about all these security breaches where someone is sitting in another state or in another country, even at their, you know, kitchen table, and they're stealing lots and lots of information about you or your credit card. So those are a lot of things beyond your control. And you never know necessarily where this happened from your mother, where they got her social. But Again, she's lucky that there wasn't anything else, right? Right, exactly. But, you know, with her, you know, that's happening to an adult, and it's bad enough. But when you talked about health care um, with hospitals, what, what happens at hospitals? Well, babies are born, and what happens right. now? Babies are born, and they're, you know, right away they're given Social Security numbers, and just think about that with all the children whose identities are being stolen right after they're born. And, it, you know, for years, people can be doing things and the child doesn't know about it until they get old enough to 
you know, get a car or, or whatever. And all of a sudden they've got bad credit and they've never even bought anything before. Oh, yeah. We see that all the time. And there's a huge problem with foster children. That, that oh. in, yeah, that was even bigger than regular children. But I have to tell you a quick story about mm-hmm. that. Kevin Mitnick, who was the FBI hacker who turned to wear a white hat, you know, <laughs> and yeah. work for the FBI. I had he has written, you know, the art of uh, dilute. This let's say the art of intrusion, the art of deception. So I had him on my radio show a few years ago, and he told me that when he committed identity theft years ago. What he would do is steal the identity, including the social security numbers, of dead babies because they had very clean credit and no one really knew Mm -hmm. who they were. And so he would go from, he could evade all of the FBI people and everyone who was after him by stealing the names and the identities of babies who had died. And then, of course, who would, he didn't think it would hurt anybody, but in truth, When the families found out about it, when there would be somebody coming back and saying, wait a minute, you have credit cards and credit lines and all this stuff in in your name, and they said, this is our baby that died, you know, a couple days after birth. So, yes, it... It's really pretty disgusting when you think about what can be done. And, and, you know, he explained it to me. That's how he did it. And, you know, these fraudsters are extremely creative, and they can Mm -hmm. do whatever they want. Well, and to kind of step back, I mean, you know, before we get too much further along, you didn't start out as a privacy lawyer, right? I mean, what was your area of practice (laughs) when you first became, because you became an identity theft victim while you were a lawyer, right? What's that story for our listeners? You know, it's so funny how sometimes people would think, oh, how did you get interested in that? It's like, I never in a million years would have wanted to become an expert on this. Let me just tell you that. (laughs) But I was, I live in beautiful Southern California. One Friday afternoon, I was going to take my kids to the beach and take off and play hooky from my law office. Mm-hmm. And um, the phone rang, and I thought, oh, should I answer it? I answered the phone, and a woman got on and said, is this Mari Frank? And I said, yes. And she goes, um, why haven't you paid your credit card bill of $11,000 to us? <gasps> and I said, Whoa. who are you? And, you know, <laughs> I don't know who you are. And, I, of course, I wasn't, you know, as privacy sensitive at the time, but I still mm-hmm. was a lawyer. I knew not to give information. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, who are you? Oh, we're the Bank of New York in Delaware. I said, I don't have an account with you. And they, I said, what are you looking at? You know, she says, well, I'm looking at it. And I know all this about you. You live at such and such an address in Southern California, da, da, da. And she was correct. And I said, what are you looking at? And she said, I'm looking at your credit report. And I yeah. said, oh, my God, you know, what is this all about? And then I said, well, can you tell me what else is on that credit report that you see? And mm-hmm. um, I said, I'm going to tell you the credit cards I do have. You know, I, I have a, a Citibank MasterCard. And a couple. I said, do you see anything else on there? She said, yes, I see a lot of other things on there. Mm. So at that point, I had this was back in 1996, long time ago, and I said, you know, I had no idea what to do, and I already mm-hmm. was a lawyer for 11 years at that time. 
Oh. So I, I mean, I was a, I was not a privacy lawyer, but I was a lawyer. I had done general practice and I had done mediation and all sorts of other things, but I hadn't done anything to do with privacy or identity theft. So mm-hmm. I ended up looking for help, and believe it or not, the only thing I could find was the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse that at that time, which they still have wonderful stuff, privacyrights.org, mm-hmm. um, they, had a, they had some sheets about what to do. So I, I, I looked online, I started doing that, and then I called Beth Givens, who was the director, and I mm-hmm. said, Beth, a lot of these things aren't working. And she said, well, will you tell us what is working, and will you help us? So I ended up helping them recreate the, their sheets because I was learning what worked mm-hmm. and what didn't. And people were saying to me, well, my goodness, can't, you're an attorney. Can't you just clear it up? Well, you have to find out so many things, like where is this all coming from? Mm-hmm. And so it took me 10 months, and this is, you know, as a lawyer, 10 months mm-hmm. to clean up the mess. A woman stole over $50,000 in my name. She got wow. a new red convertible Mustang. She was parading as an attorney using my identity up, it, you know, about four hours north of my home in Ventura, California. Oh, my gosh. And I was afraid I was going to be disbarred. She, oh. I found out through much of my own investigation that she had worked in a law office and she had seen my name in the legal newspaper for the state of California called the Daily Journal. And she saw that I was, you know, the chair of all these different committees, et cetera. And she thought, oh, well, she, you know, she's got her own practice. She must have good credit. So in that oh. office, she ordered my credit report. And if you know what's on your credit report, it's got everything on there. It's got your social, it's got your birthday, who you're married to, where you live, all of your credit accounts. So what she was able to do was look at the accounts I did have and then apply for accounts that I didn't have. And she was Mm. granted credit in a heartbeat. And so that's what happened. I, I mean, it took me a while to find out who she was and... Once I did, it was I had to beg, borrow, and plead the credit card companies to give me the original application and give me all these things. And that's how I would find her address. I found her address Mm. because she had the card sent to her address up in Ventura, and I live obviously down in Laguna Niguel, California. So then I called the police up in Ventura, and this mm-hmm. is really odd. This was such an ironic situation. I called the Ventura Police Department, and the watch commander answered the phone, and I was telling him what happened to me, and I found out that there is a person up at a certain address, and Ventura has stolen my identity, and I told him the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, first thing he said, did you recently apply for a home loan? And I said, no. He said, the reason I'm telling you this is the same thing happened to me. I applied for a home loan, and of course, you know, whenever you apply for a loan, you put down everything about you, right? Your social Mm -hmm. security number, all your bank accounts, how much you make, et cetera, et cetera. And that was stolen, and then that's how he became a victim of identity theft. So so he he had some sympathy for you and empathy, right? And I was so lucky because at that time, there was no law, believe it or not, no law in any state 
making identity theft a crime against the victim. It was always against the credit card companies. Mm. And so a lot of times people would call up law enforcement, and this still happens today, and they tell mm-hmm. you, oh, you know, we can't take a report. You, now the reason they don't want to take it is it's very hard to investigate. It's very time-consuming. But mm-hmm. anyway, so at that time, he actually looked into it and sent somebody to that address and said to the woman who answered the door, mm-hmm. do you know Mari Frank? And she said, she started to freak out, but she goes, oh, she used to live here, so we get mail for her. I never, I had never oh. been to that city, ever. <laughs> but she, I found out later that she had been working in a law firm and that her dad was a cop, her ex-husband was a sheriff. She oh, had my a gosh. Yes, yeah, she had a, a, a handgun. Oh, oh, yeah, I found out everything. <laughs> So did you ever meet her, like, face-to-face? No, but I saw her. You know, I was, once my story, what what ended up happening is Beth Givens, who was the director of the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, would get calls from the media, and she'd say, I I want you to talk to Mari. Mari can tell you everything. So they'd call me. So I was on Dateline, 48 Hours, et cetera, et cetera. I was on literally hundreds of, of national TV shows, not because I wanted to be, but because I wanted to express what people should be doing. Yeah. So I, my kids and I and my husband, we were watching TV to watch Dateline one night, and it was me, it was my story, and then they had a picture of her. Oh, <laughs> And that my gosh. was the first time I saw her. And, you know, she, I saw her applications. She had a much nicer handwriting than I have. I can tell you that. <laughs> But it was very strange to see the person who was parading as me, and and she had even driven four hours to my law office to steal the business cards on the desk that we had all the attorneys. They had their business cards, and she was passing out my business cards pretending to be a lawyer. Holy cow. Well, I know. She, it was, it was, I, I can laugh at it now because I got through it, but I can honestly tell you it was devastating. Just like your mother, you know, yeah. sitting there crying. I was, I, I was beside myself trying to figure out and trying to put my fingers in all these holes. And, mm-hmm. and no one, I mean, there wasn't anything at that time. There weren't, you know, good help sheets except for the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. The Federal Trade Commission wasn't involved. Nobody. There was nothing at that time. I had to forge my way through the forest, and then I had followers who could follow my steps. And that's mm-hmm. basically what happened is I didn't want anybody else to have to go through what I went through, and that's why I ended up testifying in Congress. People called me. I testified at the Federal Trade Commission. I, I, I tried to help laws get passed, and then I was invited to speak at the White House. Yes, um, tell us about that, that was weird. I get a call one Friday from the Treasury Department saying, this is the Treasury. Of course, I didn't believe it was the Treasury Department because at that mm-hmm. point I was so you know, sensitive to, like, any kind of fraud calls that I, I said, I don't believe you, you know. Anyway, I finally believed them, and um, they said, we'd like you to come, you know, next week and speak at the White House, and it was on C-SPAN, um, to talk about, at that point, is that's when they were passing the Graham-Leach-Bliley bill, which was a privacy yeah. bill that they, you know how you get those notices every year, 
mm-hmm. they wanted me to talk about why it's necessary, why privacy is necessary, and tell my story about identity theft. So if you go online and you you know, actually Google my name, you can see me at the White House with Hilly and Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Hillary, I've seen that. Me. Yes, that's a great yeah, photo. I, I've seen I that video. It's great. Um, the president at that time, and mm-hmm. you know, I was so excited, and I was, you know, really, you know, it was a big trip for me to go all the way across country and get up the next morning, very, very early in the morning, if you can imagine, because it was three hours earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was funny because uh, Bill Clinton said. I only wish we could have found somebody with a little more energy, you know, and everybody laughs. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, you definitely the, have crazy. energy, and I'm sure that uh, he learned a lot. I'm, I'm sure everyone in the room learned so much from you, and thank goodness that, you know, we had you to raise awareness, because just think of how many people probably, you know, would have wanted to get through it and then just forget about it without trying to help others you know, be aware and and help them to see what's going on and how to not be a victim and so on. Right. And, you know, uh, this is why the name of my first book was From Victim to Victor, A Mm Step-by-Step Guide for Ending the Nightmare of Identity Theft, because I'm not a victim personality, and Mm -hmm. I felt very victimized. But what... and, And once I was on all these shows, people would be calling my law office from everywhere, all over the country, even Canada, even Italy, saying, you know, I'm a victim of identity theft. What do I do? And um, and so, you know, I just, I had to do something. That's, that's why I didn't want people to become victims. I wanted them to realize that they could empower themselves by taking you know, taking what they learn and really requiring the companies to address the issues and requiring the government to do their part. So that's mm-hmm. how we got a lot of laws passed that make it quite a bit easier than it was when I went through it. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those when we come back. We need to take a short break now to hear from our sponsors and then when we come back we're going to talk about so many other very important things Um, we're speaking with Mari Frank identity theft expert lawyer and author of many books on the topic of identity theft I'm your host Rebecca Harold the privacy professor you can contact me with questions and comments about this show as well as show topic suggestions using my email Rebecca Harold at Rebecca com, and also through my websites symbus 360.com privacyprofessor.org and my LinkedIn site Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyprofessor.org. Rebecca Harold and Associates offers information security products, privacy and compliance tools, education and consulting. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages 
Science she has published since 2007. Visit privacyprofessor.org for help and answers to your questions. Have you heard about Symbus360.com? The Symbus system includes information security, privacy, and compliance management, policies, procedures, and forms, third-party and vendor management, training and awareness, breach response and management, employee tasks and assets management, and risk management automation. Symbus also offers Alien Vault Unified IT Security Management at reduced pricing and also cyber liability insurance with limits up to $25 million. You need to find out more about the Symbus system. Visit Symbus360.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. That's Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Now, back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on the Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold. We are speaking today with Mari Frank. She's an identity theft expert, lawyer, and author of many books on the topic of identity theft. Now, before the break, Mari was describing her own experiences with being identity theft victim and how she kind of got into um, helping not only the general public to identify, you know, how different tactics work with identity theft, but also how she's raising the awareness of lawmakers and so on. So what I want to talk about now for a little bit is um, how to tell if you have been perhaps a identity theft victim. And a lot of times people will say, well, just check your credit report. And that's one of the best ways uh, of seeing whether or not you've been an identity theft victim. But, you know, you I've heard you talk about and you write about many times the fact that not all types of identity fraud and identity theft show up on your credit report. And you call this right. So, yeah, tell us some, some more about that. That's really interesting. Right. Well, first of all, let me kind of explain what happens with your credit report. The good news is is that you're entitled to get your free credit report from each of the three major credit bureaus um, at annualcreditreport.com, and that is from the Federal Trade Commission. That's part of one of the laws that I helped pass years ago. Um, oh, so thank that's you for important that. to do. <laughs> Yes, okay, so that's, that's an important thing to do to get your credit report. Let me tell you what you're going to see in your credit report and what you're not going to see on your credit report. Okay. First of all, um, the credit header information is going to be like your name, where you work, if you're married, your, uh, your address, your previous addresses may have your phone number and your social security number. Those are the credit header information about your personal profile. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see different 
uh, creditors on there. You might have your home loan, your student loans, various credit cards, um, I, you know, credit lines. All that is going to appear on there. Then there's another section, an inquiry section. And this mm-hmm. section will show you which companies have gotten your credit report in order to issue you credit. And then there's another inquiry section that just shows you who has access to your credit report, who really had a right to. So, for example, if you have mm. a student loan, that bank or whatever, credit union or whoever, has, has the right to look at that as many times as they want. So you'll see if you have Macy's card, they can look at that. But the inquiry section that it has new, it'll say this company got your credit report for the purpose of issuing you credit, that's where you're going to see possible uh, fraud, okay? Mm. If you did not apply for a car loan and you see something for Toyota dealership and, you know, Subaru or whatever, you better immediately contact them and ask them for what, why is it that they got your credit report and you want to get the application, Okay, mm-hmm. you'll also see liens on there, like IRS liens that you may mm-hmm. not have known about it. Those might be fraudulent. And mm-hmm. you're going to see collection accounts that may not be yours, and those are really important. So it is your first line to look at your credit report because it's free to do that, and you have to look at it with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. You might have addresses on there that you never lived at. That's what I noticed immediately when mm-hmm. my fraudster had an address on my credit report that was four hours away from my home, okay? So, so those what do you do are, You have then? to look at are everything. You, Pardon me? Yeah. So, so yeah. who do you call? I mean, you see something. Who do you call to say, hey, this is not right? Right. That The challenge is sometimes to even get the phone number, but you have oh. to be you know, really vigilant about this. That's one thing. You cannot just back down and say, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. All right, so those are the things that appear on your credit report. What does not appear on your credit report is your utilities. Think about it. Your, mm. your, um, if you have your, your landlord-tenant stuff, unless you go into collections, that's not going to appear on there. So you don't know if somebody got an apartment in your name. Mm-hmm. All right, you're, you're going to see, uh, perhaps you find out from a utility company that gas and electric, you know, down here, I'm in San Diego, gas and electric, you know, you're not going to see your utilities on there. You might mm-hmm. see, you know, something like Verizon, but most likely you won't even see that. You won't see the water bill. If somebody is living in an apartment and getting all these different things in your name, you won't know about mm-hmm. it until it goes to collections and then it appears on your credit report. Yeah. If someone sued you, uh, mm-hmm. okay, pretending to be you and get in a car accident pretending to be you, you won't know about that until they try and sue the other person and that person isn't there and then they're going to do a, a nationwide search to find you. Also, mm. like your mother, what happened to your mm-hmm. mother if someone opens a checking account in your na- in your name, like what happened to your mom, um, and there's no money in it, maybe they put in a false check or something like that, a fraudulent check, and then you know that bounces and that ruins mm-hmm. the the checking ability for your mother. Um, mm-hmm. You won't see that on your credit report. You also really? won't see if people open up any. No, you will not see that. You huh. won't see any of that. 
You won't see when someone opens up an account in your name. You won't see if someone opens up a, a brokerage account in your name. You won't see if someone has applied for a job in your name and gets a job. Now, remember, I told you that the woman who stole my identity was parading as an attorney, all right? Mm -hmm. She was Mm -hmm. pretending to be me using my bar number, all right? So I could have been just barred or or sued, correct? Mm -hmm. So if someone can use, I've, I've had physicians call me. I even had a judge call me whose identity was stolen, and he was afraid of his reputation. Your mother was afraid of her reputation in the community, Mm -hmm. but you can imagine if someone is a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant and their identity is stolen and it doesn't appear in the credit report. If someone, I had a guy who called me who lived in uh, Orange County, California, where I live, and he called me and he was injured badly and he tried to get workers' comp and he couldn't get it, and they said to him, the reason you can't get it is because someone is already collecting it in San Diego, California. So someone already stole his identity, and he couldn't get workers' comp. Same thing with disability. Same thing with, you know, anything that you can get, your fraudster can get. And like I said before, the only thing that's going to appear on your credit report are accounts that are, you know, loans, credit, Mm -hmm. um, and liens like IRS liens or liens. That's it. All this other stuff doesn't. So if you get a call or rather if you get a letter or a call or some email telling you that there's been a security breach and your information has been stolen, if Mm -hmm. it's been your social security number, all right, more than just Mm -hmm. a credit card number, you are not safe when they tell you we're going to give you a year of credit mm. monitoring because it doesn't cover everything else. Right. Now, if you, ask, you know, Rebecca, if you ask me, well, Mari, how do you see everything else? Exactly. I, I was, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what everybody asks me, and I ask myself, too. I'll tell you what I do. I do background checks on myself periodically, oh. at least once a year, and also what I do is I... I put on Google alerts for my name, and you know, Mari Frank, Mari Frank Esquire, Mari J. Frank, Mari Joy Frank. I do that, and I put Google alerts on that will tell me. All right, so even that, I I still don't know if I'm I'm not a victim of identity theft again, but that's I mean, it's so hard because there is so much information about you everywhere that Mm -hmm. you don't even know. I'll tell you another terrible type of identity theft is Mm -hmm. I had a woman call me. She was a model, Mm. and someone stole her uh, pictures of her body, all right, and Mm -hmm. put it uh, of her face and put it on naked pictures, and it was on websites in Germany. Oh. So that was a nut, yeah, and she was, it was ruining her reputation as a top model in this country. So wow. if you can imagine that, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and also debit card fraud, which is yeah. terrible. That well, doesn't appear on your credit report either. Well, before and you so, go on, and I, and I want to get to that, but back to your Google alert. I love that. I've done that too. And in fact, it's kind of funny because right now I keep getting this Google alert that comes back for a Rebecca Harold. I think it's in Connecticut and she's 41 years old. And it's like, 
you know, well, okay, I'll be 41 again. But uh, I see that and it's like, I keep trying to correct it and it keeps coming back. So I think I need to go look into that a little bit more closely. Yeah, yeah. But, you so, know, I mean, it's more of yeah, a common name. Uh-huh. You know, there, yeah. I mean, people who have common names, there's there's what we call, you know, unintentional identity theft or, you know, or really where it really isn't identity theft. Like I had a client, David Smith. David Smith is such a common name. Mm-hmm. But his uh, credit report was mixed up with other David Smiths. And that wasn't, uh, you know, at first he was scared it was identity theft, but really it was just poor reporting by the credit bureaus. And so I got him an attorney, oh. a consumer attorney, to to sue for that, For you know, because the credit bureaus have a duty under the Fair Credit Reporting Act to have accurate files. And when they don't, mm-hmm. they can be sued and they can get, uh, you know, you can get attorney's fees and all sorts of things like that. So sometimes it's it looks like identity theft and it isn't. And then there's, mm-hmm. I, I should probably mention, Synthetic identity theft. And this is mm-hmm. where someone puts together a profile of Rebecca Herald with Mari Frank's social security number and mm-hmm. another address and kind of puts the whole thing together. What I've learned from that when you, you know, go through and some, we find out that somebody's been the victim of identity theft, the person who's hurt the worst the only person who's really hurt is the one who has the social security number because, Mm. as I had said earlier in this session, is that that's the key to the kingdom of identity theft at this Mm -hmm. point in time. It's still that is your identifier. But the worst kind of identity theft is criminal identity theft. When someone Mm -hmm. commits crimes in your name Mm -hmm. and then you get arrested. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have had, or you don't get arrested, and there was one guy that I had that I actually got him on Dateline, and it saved his life because he lost his, his father ended up having a heart attack by by all this, and his wife left him. But anyway, he had called me from Ohio, Mm -hmm. and he couldn't understand. He was up for a promotion in the medical industry, was making six figures, doing a good job, married, happy, had his kids. And mm-hmm. um, he went for a promotion, and they did a, a background check on him, and they said, oh, my God, you know, you are fired. <laughs> fired. Oh. And so uh, we got his, his background check, and it said that he'd been arrested for murder. Oh, my okay? goodness. <laughs> and um, we found out that his identity was mixed up with a guy who was in a drunk stupor and killed his girlfriend. And so Oh my gosh. His, yeah, and his social security number and this was a mix up. His social security number was mixed up with my client. And it took literally years and how we ended up we ended up going had his story on Dateline. And it saved his life that he could get another job. He could show that segment on Dateline. Because we could never 100% get everything cleaned up. Even though we could clean it up and there was a lawsuit against the information broker that kept repeating this inform- er- you know, erroneous information. Um, so there was, he finally, 10 years later, got the money for it after an appeal and everything like that. But that was a, a horrible thing that happened to him. And he finally got his life back like 10 years later. 
Oh Another gosh. guy that contacted me, this was horrible. He was um, he worked for TSA, okay? Hmm. <laughs> and you do periodical, uh, periodic uh, background checks, and they mm-hmm. did a background check, and they found in the background check something from many years ago, but it was his old neighbor who used hmm. to go to high school with him had stolen his identity. Wow. And unfortunately, the information brokers sell things by social security number. Mm-hmm. You know, they sell your background check by social security number. But the criminal uh, way to identify you is your fingerprint. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and ever anybody claims that you're a victim of, uh, that you're a criminal, go mm-hmm. to your own law enforcement agency and get your fingerprints taken and then you send it to the NCIC, this is the National Criminal Database, and you, if your fingerprints don't match, that is the way to clear your name. I finally had to do that. And, and it's interesting because even law enforcement doesn't want to admit that they make a mistake. Mm. So it took mm-hmm. me, and this guy had no money, so here I am doing all of this pro bono for him. Oh, it was horrible. He finally moved from California to Las Vegas, and he has a job, and his life is back again. But I got to tell you, it was years, and he can't ever work for the government because these information brokers still bring up the right. old erroneous stuff. So criminal well, identity theft is almost impossible to 100% fix because the databases are sold, resold, and resold, and we don't have the same kind of... Um, like with the credit bureaus where we can check mm-hmm. everything easily, we don't have that. Yeah, so. I mean, once you create data, it can be, you know, duplicated with a press of a button. It can be sent out to thousands of people with a press of a button. So there's thousands of copies. So definitely. Now, you mentioned earlier that you run background checks on yourself. So I, I know that many of our listeners are going to say, well, how do I run a background check on myself? How should people go about running a background check on themselves? I'm kind of lucky because I am a sheriff reserve here in Orange County because for Ah. since 2000, I've been helping the sheriff's department and, you know, in the fraud and I help them and advise them. And Mm -hmm. so they give, you know, they do background checks on me. They do really good ones. You know, I have to do the the live (laughs) scan with my fingers. But um, Mm -hmm. there are, I don't want to recommend any particular ones, but you can go online and, and, you know, really choose a carefully chosen background check. And, in fact, if you go to privacyrights.org and you click Mm -hmm. on background checks, they have a whole fact sheet on background checks and how to do your own background checks. So I would like to, you know, defer to them. Privacy rights. Dot org. Dot org. And that's, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and everyone so there look at you, that. You're going to go and you're going to search background checks, and they have fact sheets. I was on their, I was an advisor for them for many, many years, and then I, w- I was on their board. So, um, they have a wonderful wealth of information on privacy, privacyrights.org. And you can oh, get good. information. I help them with their fact sheet on identity theft what to do if it happens to you. Then we even did one on criminal identity theft. What if it happens to you? I mean, we don't even have, we'd have to have a show that lasted 10 days to even like mm-hmm. get somewhat 
deep into this, and then we'd still not be done. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, and, you know, we talked about how that credit report doesn't tell you everything about your own, but just think, we, we talked about children. Um, how can you tell if your children's been a victim of identity theft then? I mean, can you well, get a credit report on them? Fraud, yeah, if it's financial fraud, then a, a credit report will be created. So, mm-hmm. for example, like I told you what happened with, um, you know, Kevin Mitnick, those mm-hmm. did have credit reports because he would get credit cards and credit lines and telephone, you know, Verizon or whatever. He would do that. So it would create a, a credit report in their name. So you could write to the credit bureaus and find out if there is a credit report in your child's name. That, okay. That's one thing you can do. Um, so it will... You know, obviously somebody's pretending to be your child, so there's going to be a credit report mm-hmm. that's established with all the credit that was established in their name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but other ways, like if somebody uses your social, uh, I, I had some cases, several cases, where a father would steal the identity of the son, and that is so depressing. That's so hard. And oh. especially because, yeah, and I had one where it was like a 35 year old son that the father who had stolen his 35-year-old son's identity and ruined his credit. And this guy was another one in the medical industry, and it was pretty terrible because what happens is when you go to the, to the whoever has created this account, let's say it's uh, you know a credit card company that lost fifteen or $20,000 because of it, and you mm-hmm. go to them and say, I'm a victim of identity theft, and then they say, well, it's, it's, it's at that, your same address or something, and then you say, well, it was my father. Well, unless you're either willing to prosecute the father, or Mm -hmm. what I've done in that one case is I've gotten the father to admit it and to agree to payments so that the son's, you know, identity could be restored, and then the son didn't feel like the father was going to have to be prosecuted. It's Uh. terrible when it's a family member, but it's more often than you would even think about. It's oh, that sounds horrible. Well, if somebody finds out that, I mean, it's just so bad that they have had identity theft, their Social Security number is everywhere, would you suggest to them that they change their Social Security no, number? absolutely not. Okay, ah. I, I had a client who was a victim of criminal identity theft, too, before he came to me. He was in somewhere, I think he was in your state, as a matter of fact. He went to the DA, and the DA said, just change your Social Security number. He didn't want to be bothered to help the guy. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously that makes you look more suspicious because the credit bureaus will link the old credit report to the new credit report because that's what they do. And Mm -hmm. so they'll, they'll link these. So I do not suggest you change your, your Social Security number unless it's a baby. If it's mm. a baby up until, you know, maybe five or six years old, then I, I do suggest you really try and change it because you have a clean slate. But usually mm-hmm. if you're older than that, and you might not want to do it. I mean, my kids had credit reports when they were little. I, I had set up, um, you know, college funds and all sorts of things with their Social Security number. So I didn't want to change it. Make sense? But mm-hmm. if they're tiny babies, that's probably when you would want to do it. But I would not suggest you ever change your Social Security number, even if it's a total mess, 
because it'll Mm -hmm. be more of a mess. That's what I've learned. Well, that's a great point. I bet a lot of people hadn't even thought about the fact that even if they change it, they'll still be, you know, linked to each other. Um, Right. So, you know, we're coming down to a couple of minutes left, but in the last couple of minutes we have, uh, what do you then recommend to our listeners as being the most effective actions that they can take to not become identity theft victims? Of course, a lot of this stuff is out of their control, but what's under their control? Right, right. One of the top things to do is never use a debit card. If you need, never use a debit card. And there was just something that um, I just saw just this week in the news, which is still the same thing I've worried about forever. Your debit card is not like a credit card. The credit card, you are covered by the Fair Credit Billing Act. You see see what's uh, fraudulent. You call up your credit card company, and you don't pay it, right? You, Mm -hmm. You dispute it. Debit card, if someone has your debit card number, which they can use online by fax, by, by phone without a PIN, um, mm-hmm. that, that money comes directly, it's siphoned directly out of your account, right? And then you have to beg for that mm-hmm. money to, to be put back in. And often they'll say, well, we don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's really terrible when you, not only at an ATM machine, but let's say you go and you buy groceries with a debit card. There mm-hmm. are so many of these little uh, devices that they put over the in, in, in the grocery store to capture your yes. pin and that, and that has been mm-hmm. huge. So my That's suggestion skimmers. is never, never, never have a debit card. You can get an ATM card without the Visa MasterCard logo, which I use all over the world, and I can take money out if I'm traveling but I can mm-hmm. never use it like a credit card because it doesn't have the Visa MasterCard logo on it. Mm-hmm. And that way, no one can siphon the money out of my account unless I'm at a ATM and someone is, is getting the PIN right there. But right. You're, you're far safer, by the way, I just want to say this, your mm-hmm. credit card is the safest thing to use because you're okay. covered by the Fair Credit Billing Act. Safer than a check, a check like what happens to your mother or somebody can just steal, look at your check. They can get a check from you. They can take the accounting number and the routing number and put it on new checks. They could go to you know, yes. Office Max and create new checks. And i got to tell you that I, I get that all the time from people. So I, right. I don't use checks. I do online banking. If you do online banking with a very complex password that you don't share with anybody, it is safer than using a Mm -hmm. check. But I always rely on credit cards. And if you have five credit credit cards, cards. you're going to be even safer than two for a lot of reasons. If you don't use much of your credit on each one, your credit score will rise. In other words, if you have a credit... Uh Limit of 2000 and you only use 500 it raises your credit score. Well, I think we found a good topic for another time to have you back, Mari, because we're at the end of our time today. But that, that is such great advice. That always happens. It happens this. when I have you on my show, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mari, for being on the show and providing our listeners with such important, valuable information for actions that they can take to prevent from being an identity theft victim and how to recover from identity theft. Today, we've been chatting with Mari Frank, 
identity theft expert, lawyer, and author of many books on the topic of identity theft. Get with Mari through her uh, websites, privacypiracy.org and marifrank.com. I urge you to check them out. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the Privacy Professor, pursuing my goal to help all businesses and the general public to be more aware of security and privacy risks and issues, and also how to mitigate those risks and better protect privacy. I urge you to notice and stay aware of information and security and privacy issues as you go about your daily activities, and also, you know, notice how people are securing your data and information and how they're using it. You can contact me with questions, comments, and provide me with your show topic ideas using Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Please visit my site, Simbus360.com, PrivacyProfessor.org. Be privacy safe in the week ahead. Until next time, goodbye. See you later. Thank you for tuning in this week. Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week, stay safe. We'll be right back. 